As far as I know, goldfish don't see water. They see what's refracted through the water, just not the water itself. But the water is there, of course. In fact, it is all around the goldfish, and it shapes everything they do and they see, but they don't see it. Now, all this year, we have been speaking about Jesus' upside-down kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is all about describing that kingdom. And yet, where is it? We don't see it. There's no heavenly palace. There's no throne room for Jesus. We could very much think that it is all make-believe. But what if God's kingdom is like water to the goldfish? What if, in fact, God's kingdom is everywhere, has shaped and continues to shape all that we do and see, but we just don't see it? As we turn to look closely at the Lord's Prayer, which lies at the heart of Jesus' sermon, we see terms like, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has this kingdom come? Has it arrived? Is God's will being done here just like it is in heaven? Are we like goldfish, sucking it into our gills, moving about in it, but never really seeing it? Well, you might remember from last term that Jesus laid out this famous prayer because he was rejecting the long-winded and babbling attention-seeking prayers of the religious fancy pants of his day. They were praying as a performance, a performance for other people. And they also thought that their long-winded words with a song and dance kind of twisted God's arm into giving them what they wanted. And Jesus says that's not how you should speak to God. That's why in verse 9 he says, Therefore, you should pray like this. And then he recounts what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. In saying you should pray like this, Jesus certainly means use these words. They are good things to pray for. And Christians have done just that ever since. This prayer has been recited by all Christians in all places throughout all of the last 2,000 years. But Jesus also means that the brevity and the directness of this prayer is how we should pray. We don't need some long, complex line of code in order for our prayers to make it past the firewall into God's domain. Because even though God is different from us, even though God is on a, a plane of existence that's distinct from us, we must notice how Jesus addresses God. He calls him Father. And if you think about how things are, or at least how they should be with your earthly father, well, you don't need to lodge an application form in triplicate or go to the father embassy in Canberra and submit a request for an audience with your dad. Now, we should just be able to ask, hey, dad, can I talk to you about something? Hey, dad, what's for dinner? Hey, dad, where's mum so I can ask her what's for dinner? See, if God is our dad then we don't need to be afraid about talking to him. And even though God is our Father who is in heaven, Jesus is his Son who came to earth, who shares his family bond with us. He welcomes us as his sister or as his brother. And so we can call God our Father with the same confidence with which Jesus calls him Father. Now you might think that all of this free and family access to God as Father is kind of cancelled out by the very next phrase that Jesus says, which is, your name be honoured as holy 
or hallowed be thy name, as you might know it from older versions. But that's only true if it's us who are to hallow God's name, if it is us who are to honour God's name. When you hear that phrase, hallowed be thy name, you might have images of people bowing with their faces to the ground, chanting the name of God over and over again. But while we should honour God's name by not using it as a word that gets beeped out on videos or to not use his name to swear an oath, Jesus here is not calling us to honour God's name. No, he is asking God to make his own name on it. See, hallowed is a fancy way of saying set apart or establish as distinct. Only God does that. God makes his name hallowed, not us. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying, God, do that thing that you do. Make your name great. Make your name known. And the way that Jesus expects God to make his great name known is in verse 10 where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you might think that this is where the goldfish idea of the kingdom comes in. Because Jesus speaks of God's kingdom on earth being like heaven, and heaven is something we can't see. Maybe that's what I mean by God's kingdom being like water to a goldfish. But that's not entirely it either. When Jesus prays that God's kingdom would arrive, he wanted it to arrive in God's will, in God's plan, coming into view, into reality on earth. He doesn't want it to be a hidden thing. The arrival of God's kingdom would be obvious and would be seen by people. But not in the way that we would have expected or in the way that Jesus' audience would have expected. They would have been expecting the toppling of mighty empires through battle and bloodshed. They would have expected an invasion of city walls. Instead, the signs of God's kingdom coming to earth were the toppling of hard hearts. It was the invasion of the walls of selfish minds. The signs were the blind seeing, the lame walking, the deaf hearing, and the mute speaking. It was seen in the rich giving to the poor, in slaves being set free, in the battered and the bruised being given shelter. These were the signs that God's kingdom had come. God's kingdom was to be the flourishing of a new social order where justice and mercy would work together perfectly. And that would be so that equality and compassion and freedom and knowledge would be done on earth as they are in heaven. Now you might be thinking, big deal. We've got all those things, equality, compassion, freedom, knowledge. We know they're important. They're just the air we breathe. And you're right. Because this is where God's kingdom is like goldfish in water. God's kingdom has already come to earth in Jesus and it caused such an extraordinary impact on our world 2,000 years ago and since that today you don't even notice it. You already hold particularly Christianish views and the fact that you think of these values as natural, obvious or universal just shows how profoundly the arrival of God's kingdom has shaped you. We have the kingdom, we've just forgotten the king. We've forgotten the one who came to earth as the penniless preacher, but whose words had unmatched power, as the never-educated but yet profoundly wise teacher and judge, and as the one who died the death of a shameful loser, 
yet won back life to reign as the most honoured, as hallowed. It's the most unforeseeable event, and yet it has woven its way into every fibre of our culture to the point now that we don't even see it, nor think that Jesus is remarkable. This is God's kingdom come and his will done. When Jesus brought in the kingdom of heaven, he changed our world forever. I mean, think about equality. Once, steep, oppressive hierarchies, that was the norm. Now we want to root out inequalities wherever we find them. Think about compassion. Once, it was thought to have pity on the lowliest of society was a weakness. Now we consider it a virtue. Think about freedom. Once it was assumed that certain classes of people could just be enslaved. And now we consider that an atrocity. And consider knowledge. Once learning was a luxury for rich, elite men. And now we think of it as a necessity for everyone and that it has the power to transform society. These are Christian goals. They are kingdom goals. And God's goal is that one day the overlap of heaven and earth won't be like a Venn diagram with some of heaven's ways influencing earth. Instead, God's kingdom will come in its fullness. And the funny thing is that when heaven and earth are united, just when you might think that one would collapse into the other and we won't see it, well, then we will all see it. Because that's when Jesus will be here again as the king to wipe away every tear so that we might see him and his loving freedom clearly. And then he'll call us home to the Father's kingdom. And that's why we pray, your kingdom come.